I'm Danny Kelly, host of the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. And from now until the draft, we are turning our feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show to talk all things draft with me, Danny Heifetz, Ben Solak, and Craig Horlbeck. Check us out on Tuesdays and Thursdays and search the Ringer NFL Draft Show. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. It is Thursday, March 2nd. Last time I sat down with Lachlan Murdoch, it was 2019. His father, Rupert, had just sold most of Fox, the company they controlled, to Disney. And Lachlan had outlasted his siblings and was sitting atop the remaining assets as CEO of Fox Corp, which holds the Fox Network, Fox Sports, Fox News, the right-leaning cable channel that has long been the company's cash cow. That meeting was off the record, but it's safe to say Lachlan was very proud of the fact that all three of those outlets were number one in their category, and especially Fox News. It's been the cable news leader pretty much since its inception in the 90s under its controversial founder, Roger Ailes, who ran it like a political operation and ultimately resigned in disgrace after allegations of abuse surfaced. He died in 2017. But now Fox News and the Murdochs are facing maybe their biggest crisis ever in a family very used to crises. They even made an HBO show about it. It's this $1.6 billion defamation lawsuit brought by Dominion Voting Systems over the lies and misinformation that Fox pundits were spewing in the days and weeks following the 2020 election. Maria Bartiromo, Lou Dobbs, Tucker Carlson, Sean Hannity, my favorite, Janine Pirro, all of them repeated President Trump's so-called big lie that the election was stolen, even specifically targeting Dominion with claims that it had systematically changed votes, which Dominion argued destroyed its business. Fox News has countered that its hosts were simply parroting what the president was saying at the time, which is inherently newsworthy. Why should they be held liable for that? It's a huge First Amendment battle, and in my opinion, one of the best cases for potentially meeting the tough actual malice standard in defamation cases. We'll get into that. This past week, we got a chance to see the deposition testimony of Rupert and Lachlan, as well as private texts and emails among Fox executives and hosts, which were pretty damning. Rupert conceded that the Trump lies were, quote, crazy, and that his personalities on the air, quote, endorsed the election lies. It quotes him as saying he could have stopped it, but he didn't, and that he and Lachlan were motivated by money. Namely, they obsessed over staying number one, keeping those Trump fans, which constitute their audience, from defecting to one of the fringe networks that were promoting the lies heavily and seeing audience gains. Basically, they knew they were airing bullshit which I'd argue has been pretty obvious on Fox for many, many years. But if you've got a Fox News lover in your family, as I do, it's a tough argument to make to them. That's why this is such a fascinating case. I'd argue a textbook example of why defamation laws exist and a real threat to arguably the most powerful media outlet in America. 
So today I've got Dylan Byers on the show. He's a founding partner at Puck, where I work, and he covers the media business. Very knowledgeable about Fox News and the whole cable ecosystem and what was going on during the election at this time. How worried should Fox News be? Is this an existential crisis or just another episode of Succession? From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Dylan Byers, who is a fellow founding partner of mine at Puck, and he covers all things cable news and the media world. Welcome, Dylan. Thank you, Matt. It's a pleasure to be on. I was just chatting with you guys before, and I don't know if Craig will actually use this as the title, but I kind of want this episode to be called How Fucked is Fox News? Because in my opinion, they're pretty fucked. This is a horrible case for them. Perhaps the most threatening piece of litigation or scandal to hit the Murdochs, definitely since the whole phone hacking scandal in the UK, but perhaps ever. Do you agree? Yeah, well, certainly since the phone hacking scandal. And I would say, let's agree that there are two different tracks here, right? There's the legal track and, and the question of defamation, which, which, some people sort of think that now that M- Rupert has testified that he's he's basically like given up given up everything they need and they've got a solid case going forward i remain far more dubious about that i, I the, the bar for defamation remains extremely high if you read a lot of the articles about this case you might think it's a slam dunk but it's not a slam dunk i mean american democracy is not suing fox news dominion is suing fox news right just to be clear you to prove actual malice you have to show that the Murdochs or the Fox News managers knew the truth and published the falsehoods regardless or recklessly disregarded the truth while publishing the falsehoods. And the falsehoods have to be about Dominion specifically. It can't just be Correct. general false stuff. That is a key fact here because a lot of the stuff that's come out in this Murdoch deposition has been just general stuff about Trump being crazy and him knowing that Trump was saying crazy stuff and his Fox News pundits were repeating that stuff and advocating and endorsing it, but it's got to be about Dominion and they've got to show that they were damaged in this case, that the Fox News lies specifically led to damage for Dominion. Although that's interesting. I saw in the LA Times today, there was a story about a county in Northern California that just voted to revoke the Dominion machines and not use them in elections going forward. And I think that's happened elsewhere. So to me, that's pretty good evidence that these county supervisors that are acting upon what they see on Fox News voted to take away this Dominion company's business. So that's that's the damages question. But go back to your analysis here. There's a difference between everyone at Fox News all the way up to Rupert being like, this is really crazy. I can't, be- I can't believe this is all bullshit. But... Um, there's wiggle room again for them to say, well, we had our doubts. It doesn't mean we didn't know it to not be true. And then, like you said, so much of this is actually not about Dominion. So yes, also to your point about damages, uh, does a company that's worth roughly $80 million, how how can they say that you've done $1.6 in damages to us? I think that number is going to come down considerably. Anyway, let's put that aside. The other track here, of course, is the public relations um, issue, which, especially, I think, after Rupert's comments, there there is a public relations issue, and there is going to continue to be a public relations issue because 
All available evidence from the Dominion side of this case suggests that they actually do not want to settle. I think maybe the lawyers want to settle. But I think the, the impression I get is that Dominion is out there for more. Dominion is out there for revenge. And look, if it were just, you know, a story in the New York Times about this once every week or in, in the Washington Post, whatever. But this is like top of Drudge Report, occasionally top of Daily Mail. And at a certain point, I, we, we none of us are so naive as to think that the that the majority of Fox News viewers are going to care about all of this. I think I think the most savvy among them probably are used to to this as being so, somewhat you know Fox News generally being somewhat like performative and a bit of a bullshit machine. And then I think the least savvy are probably so conspiratorial that they don't think any of this is true and they refuse to believe it. But Fox remains one of the most powerful, most watched, not just cable news networks, but cable networks on television. And I do think as this goes on and this continues to be at the forefront of the national conversation, that could chip away at at people's um, how people perceive Fox News as a network. And if if and again, it's a big if, but if that starts to affect the bottom line, or if that even starts to affect Rupert's own notions about his own legacy or his own reputation, I I do think we are going to arrive at a point where some sacrifices are going to need to be made. And those sacrifices, as is always the case when it comes to the Fox uh, Corporation, tend to be blood sacrifices, which is to say getting rid of some notable personnel somewhere on the chain who can sort of make it look like Fox has has taken accountability for what happened and then tried right. to move on. Yeah, we'll get to that because the blood sacrifice is hilarious because obviously they did that on succession, um, taking the lead from what the Murdochs actually do in real life. But I believe Fox is the most powerful media outlet in America, not just because of its reach, but because of the hold that it has over a political party. I mean, we're seeing it play out right now where in hearings, these senators are grandstanding in order to be able to invite, be invited onto Fox News. I mean, the whole Ron DeSantis campaign for the Republican nomination seems to be premised on the culture war stuff that he knows plays well on Fox. And we saw this play out with these emails and correspondence that Murdoch was sending to his underlings, he they were in a really tough spot here because they had this force in Trump that was arguably more powerful than Fox News for the first time. And he commanded their audience. And they were stuck between endorsing what they knew was bullshit, but what they knew their audience wanted to hear and what was responsible as a business owner that is a, governing a media outlet. Uh, you 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 do not want to put yourself in the position where you are knowingly lying to your audience. And Murdoch said it himself when he was asked about why they had the My Pillow guy on the on the network. He said it's not red or blue, it's green. Right, and that is a very powerful quote to use in a defamation suit when. The argument has to be, you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway. These quotes from Murdoch are essentially saying, we knew it was wrong. We did it anyways because we were terrified of losing this audience to other outlets like Newsmax, OAN, the internet, and they wanted to maintain that profit bottom line. 
Yeah, that that that's that's right. And I think that's why that is why the the Rupert testimony and the testimony from other Fox executives has sort of breathed new life into this because the body of evidence that Dominion put forward is one thing, and it is very compelling, but it is their sort of spin on the available evidence. But but to have Rupert and others come forward and just be so candid about it really seems to set it in stone. Look, I, I agree with your premise about the power of Fox um, and, and the influence it has over, over Republicans and American conservatism, and it is an influence that media outlets on the left, the MSNBCs of the world, can only look upon with envy. At the same time, like you also said, this is also a story of the limits of their influence, right? Trump, the, the, the Trump phenomenon posed a threat. Trump was bigger. It was this, and by the way, it's te- you know it's it's tempting to think okay so it's it's like a Frankenstein situation right the 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 all powerful Murdochs build up this Trump candidate and then he becomes too big for them to control but it's even worse than that because if you if you go back to 2015 and 2016 Rupert was publicly opposed to Trump he he was allegedly referring to Trump as a fucking idiot yeah he remember the tweets. He was tweeting like, don't run, Donald. You're embarrassing yourself. <laughs> yeah, like when are you gonna stop embarrassing us? And and he took, he came to Trump because because again, like his quote says, it's about the green. He finally got on board with Trump, but he never stopped think one, resenting Trump, I think, and two, looking down on Trump in a way as a sort of buffoon and an idiot. And then and so this question of like where is the balance of power on the right it's worth noting that not only not only was were the murdochs vulnerable to trump's influence in 2020 and 2021 but they couldn't stop the trump train back in 2015 and 2016 and so i do wonder you know that i i'm watching now as the trailer for succession is coming out and in that trailer you hear logan roy saying i got the election as though he was able to basically hand pick uh, uh, the president or the Republican nominee or whatever it is, Murdoch's never really actually been able to do that. And and, and so I, I do think that there's a question now going forward about what is Fox News going to be and, and, and where is it going to try and fit itself into a Republican party that is, is, is always being tempted by the far-right, conspiratorial, frankly, batshit crazy faction and how is it going how is it going to juggle that and you saw them basically running into this problem in November 2020 and and trying to walk a fine line and and, and effectively not doing it the right way and, and it's going to be interesting to see in this in this court case if it goes before a jury which i think it will how, how they try to position themselves from a public relations point of view right because there are many different ways that fox news can suffer here. I mean, yes, there's the legal liability and the potential liability in this case, um, but that's only part of the story because obviously Fox News sells advertising and every moment of toxicity only telegraphs to advertisers, please don't come here. Now, obviously, most big blue chip advertisers do not advertise on Fox to begin with. It's a lot of, you know, supplement pills and my pillow right. and catheters and things like that but yeah. there are some companies insurance companies and pharmaceuticals that do advertise on Fox News but what people don't realize is that advertising 
is an okay business for Fox. It's not the core business of Fox News. Fox News makes most of its money from carriage fees that you and I and every listener pays if you subscribe to cable and never watch Fox News. You know, if 3 million, 4 million people are watching Fox on a given Tuesday, Wednesday night, there are 80 million people that subscribe to cable or whatever it is, 67 million, and they don't watch Fox News ever, yet they pay exorbitant carriage fees because Fox has been able to up those fees because there is a very vocal contingent of Fox News fans that would be very upset if a cable provider dropped it. So that is an incredibly lucrative business. However, those carriage negotiations that happen every few years are dependent on a product that isn't going to be toxic and you know potentially uh, be run off the air because of liability. So if this stuff spills into the carriage negotiations, that could be damaging to Fox. There's other also potential shareholder litigation. You know, right. there's a lot of scrutiny right now on the Fox board. The fact that they allowed this stuff to go on. Clearly, board members like Paul Ryan and a couple of others knew what was up, knew it was bullshit, made their concerns known to the Murdochs, and yet didn't do anything more to prevent that. And now they've got this potentially catastrophic piece of litigation that has resulted. So shareholders might be pissed. And there's other potential civil litigation that this behavior could expose them to. So Fox is sort of under siege from all sides at this point. Right. And it's not just this legal case that could hurt it. Look, Rupert is 92, will be 92 years old next week. Um, the guy, the guy has proven incredibly. <laughs> um, he's got a new girlfriend. I heard he, he's got a new girlfriend. I think, I think his mother lived to like 103 or something. Yeah. Just, just got divorced, got a new girlfriend. He's like out on the town. But right, but let let's agree that in the not too distant future, this gets passed down to, to in full to Lachlan, and I think there are questions of what are you going to do with this asset, and and how how what what is Fox News if if you have something like this, you th this scandal, you've acknowledged that that everything bad that we think happened actually happened, and then and you don't you don't change anything about it. I'm not sure how sustainable that is. And that's, again, going back to this question of the blood sacrifice, I do think if it gets as bad as you and I are talking about, and if all of those different groups that might take issue with what has happened here make meaningful moves on the on, on the company, then I do think you have to make some changes to at least signal that that some sense, some degree of accountability. I sat down with Lachlan several times. I've interviewed him and his brother. I, you know, I, the overall impression I get from him is that he is his father's son. He does believe in the conservative movement and he believes in the power and the place of Fox News in the media ecosystem as a, an alternative to what they see as the overwhelming liberal media. He also relishes the fact that Fox News is number one and it has the biggest audience and they make their money off of serving a largely overlooked segment of the media consumer market. I old white men, well, not just men, <laughs> but, but, you know, but a predominantly yeah, you know, non-urban white, older demographic. And, yes. and 
I, I just, I think that the way this plays out, I don't know that that mission is going to change unless they feel that the company has an existential threat. The Murdochs don't tend to do things unless they feel really threatened. I mean, they didn't get rid of Rebecca Brooks uh, at the uh, the UK papers until they were hauled in front of parliament and held to account for some of the phone hacking stuff. And it really hurt James Murdoch that he was in charge of that division when it all went down. I don't know that he ever really recovered. Now, he has some own, his own political differences with his family, but I don't know that he ever really recovered from that within the family. And this is really bad for Lachlan. This is really bad for Rupert. I mean, we have now their thoughts. Lachlan was saying that he was up at night, couldn't sleep because of the ratings issues at Fox News in the aftermath of the election because the audience was going away because they weren't providing those lies that some of the other networks were providing. All of the incentives lined up here for them to take the profit motive and lie to their audience. And that mm -hmm. is just such powerful evidence. And I don't know, I mean, you talk about blood sacrifices and yes, Suzanne Scott is the CEO of Fox News and they have been dropping little tidbits about, you know, leading breadcrumbs, people say, to her as the one responsible. Rupert said in his testimony, I appointed Miss Scott to the job and I delegate everything to her. So that's basically saying, you know, it's her fault. But everybody yes. knows that the Murdochs control Fox News. They do so with extraordinary activity and precision down to the point where emails about certain guests or certain reporters, and this person needs to be held to account if they are not totally on board with what Trump is saying. We now have seen those emails. So to lay this on Suzanne Scott, I, I don't know that that will be enough. Do you think it will? You know, I don't, I just don't think that I say this as somebody who covers media organizations at the sort of off camera at the executive level and the leadership level. I just don't think most people know or know th those are not Suzanne Scott is not a household name. No. And the Fox News audience, I, I agree with you. I don't think the Fox News audience cares about this at all. Right. But but what I'm saying is, let, let, let's say you arrive at the point where something needs to be done. And there is a sense that the lack of accountability is hurting the business. I'm not saying that, that you know, Rupert Murdoch is going to wake up and read enough like mainstream or liberal media and decide, oh, you know what, I really should, I really should do something about this. But let's say it's actually hurting the bottom line. Fox fires CEO of Fox News, or Murdoch's fire CEO of Fox News and Pledge X is, is conceivably enough to say we have done something. And so, and so I, I don't think the vast majority of people are going to look at that and say, well, that's not real accountability because, of course, the Murdochs have their hand in this. I think I just don't think enough people are paying that close of attention. Hmm. And obviously, they're already getting it from the right. I mean, Donald Trump is on Truth Social every day attacking the Murdochs because they no longer will allow him on the platform and no longer will let him say whatever he wants to say about the 2020 election. So it's sort of a no-win situation for them because Trump, you know, Trump is going to likely be the candidate or at least be in a showdown with DeSantis. And how are they going to handle Trump when he's out there campaigning and repeating this stuff? But that and that that is the other thing about this case and is that it is taking place 
on the eve of the next presidential election cycle, and we actually don't know exactly who the party is going to fall behind. I think there's a lot of conventional wisdom out there that it is Trump or it is DeSantis or, but if I think if the Murdochs had a clearer picture about where the Republican Party was headed over the course of the next two years, it might help them navigate this. The fact that they don't, I think, is, again, testament to, despite all of their power and influence on the right, it is limited. And and they are at, they are sort of at the mercy of these of these larger than life political stars like Trump who who command their own audiences and, and who in many ways have have gone direct to consumer, if you will. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DeSantis seems to be the Fox News choice. Do you get that sense from the primetime lineup? I absolutely do. I think they got really hot and heavy for DeSantis. And then I think they saw some of his political limitations or potential mm-hmm. limitations. And I think there is always this sort of, you're, you know, you're keeping Trump at arm's length, but not letting go of his hand. And, and I do look if, if 2016 and 2020 proved anything is that all things are possible um, in terms of how the primaries are going to shake out. And so I think I think Fox has to sort of manage that and managing that while they're managing this this legal and PR crisis, it only makes things harder. Yeah, how do you think this plays out ultimately? Do you think this does go to trial? And do you think we get to yeah. a verdict? You think it does? You think there's no dollar amount Dominion will take at this point? I don't know for sure. And I think that... Um, no one ever lost money betting on a settlement. No there's one ever always lost a settlement. Right. Thank to be you. Done. That is that is that is what <laughs> I was trying to say. No, right. There's always a settlement. Settlement. There's always a number. But my sense of this is is that the is that Dominion wants a trial. They want the they want to give Fox the public relations headache that they are giving them, mm-hmm. and that the testimony from rupert and others coupled with the the evidence has given has provided enough to dismiss fox's summary judgment and to move this to a trial oh yeah i don't think it's going to be decided on summary judgment i think there's enough factual evidence here the way it works is if you file a motion for summary judgment you're trying to get a judge to decide before it goes to trial that there's no reason to have a trial that everything has been litigated properly and you can decide based on the evidence as presented i don't think that's the case here i think the judge is going to let this go to a trial um and you know that's a great piece of leverage if they win the summary judgment motion dominion i'm talking about that's a great piece of leverage for a settlement it's also a great harbinger for a trial 
You know, if they if they feel strong and they think they can win and they know that they're going to drag these guys through the mud and potentially do more damage to their reputations than anything that they could get in money, then maybe they do it. Maybe they go for it. But ultimately, I think there's a dollar amount. Yeah, maybe they do it. And then I think, too, you know, you look at the lawyers and you I, look, I, I know lawyers like their money, but I think you're also looking at a situation here where there's national fame there, you know, there's some national fame involved. If, if this goes to trial and you're, you're dragging notable Fox news personalities onto the witness stand. And then again, you know, I think, I think the Rupert testimony was so stunning that I think the opportunity to keep this going and to, to force these people under oath is really tempting. I think it's tempting. I think, I think they've gotten, I think dominion has gotten caught up in this hist- what they view as a historical moment and 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 the possibility here to exact greater revenge on fox than just a dollar amount but may- maybe i'm naive in thinking that if i were them i would make part of any settlement a nightly 30 second disclaimer at the top of tucker carlson for a year talking about dominion and how everything that they were saying was a lie and that you shouldn't believe anything you hear on this program ever. <laughs> it is definitely not being settled. <laughs> and then say, okay, take it or leave it. Uh, all right, Dylan, thanks very much for coming on. I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, you and I went to the Creed 3 premiere the other night. First Rocky slash Creed movie that Rocky himself, Sylvester Stallone, is not in. Uh, you liked it. I did. I like all the creeds. I think uh, the Rocky IP is just so dependable and consistent. They're always solid. Yeah, I liked it too. It, it, it hits the notes. You know, it's kind of paint by numbers, but I think Michael B. Jordan did a nice job directing. Um, and I think Jonathan Majors is great. He's yeah, yeah, really, yeah. I think, like, kind of steals the movie. Great training montage. I, I go to these movies mostly for the training montage, and this one delivers. You know what? I think I have to disagree. I don't think the training montage was that good. And oh, compared, wow. Okay. Compared to the Rocky franchise, that's the whole reason you watch Rocky is because of the the Sylvester Stallone running it through the streets of Philadelphia. I agree. And LA is not the same as the streets of Philadelphia. I, I give you that. But I, I was into it. I, I They get me with all of these. It, it, it's also not the best training montage of Rocky movies. It's got to be the the Russia one. It's, yeah, when he's in, like, Siberia running yes. through the snow. That is all time. And, like, Drago is getting, like, injections and stuff. Like, that is, that is, will always be the best. But this one's pretty good. Yeah. The, uh, you were most excited about seeing Aaron Donald at the premiere after party, I think. It's always nice when I'm taller than a professional athlete. <laughs> it was a good party. The, it's always fun at these premieres where, like, people that aren't in the Hollywood world just, like, show up. Like, Serena Williams was there for some reason. And, uh, you know, and obviously there's a prominent NFL guy, but like, I, I think there were some music people there too. Um, they did a nice job. So the tracking for Creed three is interesting because in this challenged box office environment, the tracking is 38 million for opening weekend for Creed three, which would be above the 29 million of the original Creed and the 35 million of the sequel Creed two in 2018, uh, those both opened on Thanksgiving, so they had higher for the five-day. But for the three-day, this movie is tracking higher. And I actually am going to take the over on $38 million. I think the good reviews, the Michael B. Jordan goodwill, 
the relatively clear, you know, um, runway for this movie. This is sort of an all audience movie. Uh, the, the Creed and Rocky movies actually perform really well with women. You wouldn't think so for a boxing franchise, but they always focus on the kind of relationships and what's driving these guys. And they tend to perform well with women. There was also a hilarious ad that I saw on the Today Show, which was basically just beefcake shots of these guys. And That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Michael B. Jordan's also hot. Yes, and women love him. And the, uh, the the line was, tell your boyfriend it's a boxing movie, which was basically <laughs> saying to women, go see this for the hot dudes and your boyfriend will like it too. Um, but we'll see. What Do you think it's a bold move taking the over on $38 million? Well, after the premiere, we were trying to guess what the tracking would be. We thought it was going to be in the mid-20s and we were going to take the over. So now that it's high 30s, maybe, but I do agree with you. I mean, there hasn't been a good sports movie in theaters in a while. And like you said, I mean, there's Ant-Man 3, which has kind of fallen off. People thought Jonathan, saw Jonathan Majors in that. Maybe they'll want to come back. It's a lull in sports right now. So this is a good time to go see a sports movie. Totally. And I think Cocaine Bear is probably going to have a drop-off. Although, we'll see. It's not projected to drop like Ant-Man. Maybe Creed did. Four is Michael B. Jordan. It, it's Adonis versus Cocaine Bear. That would be pretty good. Actually, I would probably take <laughs> Cocaine Bear in the ring on that one. Uh, all, right, all right. That is the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Dylan Byers. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck. And I want to thank you. We will see you tomorrow, actually. 